Well, happy Easter, Resurrection Sunday to you. Amen. Oh, man, what a great day. Title today, a message called Choose Life. Choose Life. Um, Robin and I discuss a lot of spiritual things together. We, we pray for a lot of people. We, we get excited about the things of the Lord together. Um, one of the things that, that, we, that we are often moved in our, and inspired amongst each other, with each other, is, is how we love the simple things of God. We, we're so, we, we get kind of, um, I guess, it gets childlike, if you will, when it comes to just the simple graces and truths of God's word and who he is and how he's called us. And there's an excitement in us that we love to just share with each other. Sometimes it seems like, it seems like stuff that we should have known a long time ago, maybe 30 years ago, and we did know it, we do know it, but we get, it excites us, it, like, it gets us like riled up and like encouraging one another to just love and love well and not just love each other, but love all people and, and, and love the word and love his truth. So I was thinking about that the other day and we were talking about it, how we, we've run into some people who seem like they just don't get excited about simple things. As though it's like, they might even say, well, I've already learned that. I don't need to learn it anymore. It's like, well, I've gone through that study. I've read that. Like, yeah, I don't need it anymore. And, I'm, and it, that makes me sad because I'm thinking, you know, when you taste and know and you see and you feel and you sense and you, you, get, you experience the goodness of God, there's only one thing that is going to happen is you're going to want more. You're going to want so much more. And I don't know about you, but I love a simple thing like a hot dog. Like a hot dog is delicious. It's delicious. I don't know why it's perfect. It's salty. It's, it's full of preservatives. It's not good for you. I love hot dogs. And Jesus is the best hot dog ever. I mean, he's way better than a hot dog. That went really weird. I didn't mean to say that. None of that was supposed to be said. I didn't even think of that ahead of time. I was just thinking of a most delicious, simple food, and to me, the most delicious, simple food is a Sam's Club hot dog. It's like a buck thirty-five. It's like and a soda with it. I mean, I'm telling you, and I want more of them, and I want more of Jesus. And so, when we talk about the goodness of God and the simplicity of the gospel, it ought to just arouse you, excite you, and even inspire you. And not bore you. In fact, I would say, I would, I would venture to say, let me, you might want to perk up for a second. I would venture to say, I might be bold to say, if the gospel bores you, you may be somebody that have never tasted the goodness of God. In other words, what you've done is you've, pot, there could be a chance that you could have just read the menu and left the room. Hello? Come on, brothers and sisters. I'm going to preach for about a half an hour. I told you I'd be short. Give me a half an hour. But you're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get a lot of it. But it's going to be short, sweet, and simple. So I want to encourage you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The simple truth of the gospel ought to just move you. When you hear like Noel sing and, and Krista sing with passion up there. It's not because... The song moves them and the rhythm gets in their blood and their bones and stuff. It's because of the Holy Spirit that says, this is life. I can't help but falling in love with Jesus. I can't help but sing and shout and praise his name. Hello? That's a taste of the goodness of God. And, and when you taste the goodness of God, you just want more. And even the simple things are so tasty. The simple truths of God are so tasty 
So this is a tasty morsel of simple truth today. I just, just so you know, but enjoy it. And just let it just like, ooh. Forgive me for just using the hot dog analogy, but I can't seem to help but go there. Like, maybe because Blake made some delicious hot dogs the other day, and they were just so good. They were off the hook on his Blackstone. They were grilled hot dogs. Oh, my goodness, man. You know what he did? He ruined them. He covered them and rolled them in bacon. Bacon-wrapped hot dogs. Yeah. Like, what the what? Like, how can you add delicious flavor upon delicious flavor? Like, it worked. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's referring to Blake. Uh, this, not, I'm going to go right to my notes real quick because this is, I'm, like I said, si- short, simple, and sweet. Our Thursday night study is really amazing and fantastic. I, I would refer to Blake as our house theologian because I believe that's what he is. God's called him that and anointed him to be a, a Bible teacher and explainer of truths that, are, that take us deep into his word. He made a statement that I think it, it just it resounded with me and struck me as like, wow, that's so simple and so rich and so true. God does not reject anyone. God does not reject anyone. And I love that truth. In fact, it really is the essence of the gospel because God really truly did provide the way, a way, the way to himself through Jesus. And he gives each and every one of us the choice to receive or reject his provision, Jesus. So God does not reject anyone. In fact, he offers the salvation to whosoever. He offers the gift of life for us to choose it to whosoever will. Amen? See, every person who has ever lived had no choice as to where and when you were born. I know that seems like a, well, duh, but maybe that is something we need to maybe realize. God had a lot to do with it. When you were born, who you were born as, what gender you were born as, still to this day. You were born a woman or a girl, a female, you were still a female. If you were born a man, you were still a male. Amen? Amen. Come on. The will of God and the will of your parents made that choice for you. Hello? I mean, that's a simple truth, right? It's not that complex. We're not in class here. This is the simplicity of the gospel because it's important to understand that. Except Jesus. The only exception was Jesus. Jesus, and I, and I, I know I've never read any sort of uh, book or even, the only thing that we have in scripture is that it says that in just the right time, in the perfect time of God's time, God became man. And his name is Jesus. So if God became man, God chose when to become that man at just the right time. So really we could say, and we, we, we could say this, I, I don't know how the conversation went down between the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but it's like, hey, it's time for you to go down and rescue and redeem our people that we've made in our image. So he made that choice to actually become one of us. He made that choice to become one of us. That's pretty wild. We can't even, like, that's why I don't think there's anything that we could, like, relate that to because we can't relate to that. Hello? Hello? 
You guys with me? Because it's really important to understand that that is a part of the gospel truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 and 22, in the New Living Translation, it says this. This is really good stuff. It says, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, that's Adam, that is, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, and that's Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Hello? Come on, this is good stuff. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is what it's all about. Come on, we're all born into sin, born under Adam, and then yet Jesus comes along and now we can choose him and be born again, given new life. This new life is something totally new. It's totally new. As in, Life that you didn't have before. Okay? It's, it's hard to even like wrap your brain around that because it, it's a supernatural experience. It's a supernatural happening. This new life is not just a better life. Even though life in Jesus is the best life lived. Hello? Come on, let's get some amens here. Okay? All right. I might have to say that one again because it really is good. The new life is not just a better life, even though life in Jesus is the best life lived. Amen. Oh, this is a little better. By the, I, I got, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Making, making me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> this new life is not just the most recent model of life, even though a life in Jesus is the most relevant life lived. Amen. Wow. Thank you, sister. Where have you been? We miss you. You're here today. That's great. <laughs> I miss you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> this new life is not just a blessed life. Even though life in Jesus has so many blessings... That even the hardest things we go through to have to deal with, even those become a blessing in Jesus. Man, you can't get that anywhere else. No, just think about it. Because when in, 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 as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, the hard stuff we say, thank you Jesus for. What a bunch of weirdies we are. I mean, we're odd. We say thank you, Jesus, for trials and tribulations, for struggles, for sufferings. We say thank you, Jesus, because we know what this is producing, something glorious and grand, and it's just really temporary anyway. Hello? You can't get that anywhere else. You won't get that anywhere else. Any club you join is like, well, let's make it good, and let's make everything good, and all the things that are bad, let's keep them away. But that's not what it's like in the, in, the, in, the, in the truth of the gospel following Jesus. He says, if you follow me, you're gonna, there's going to be a cross that you're going to have to carry. And there'll be a cup of suffering that you'll have to drink. But it'll be one of, that'll be full of joy and life and purpose. See, this new life is not just a peaceful life, even though life in Jesus brings a peace that goes beyond understanding even to the point of being 
unexplainable. And even a little attractive because just talking about troubles in life and we still have peace. I mean, people are going to see that. They're going to notice that. They might even want it. I mean, really. Because it's, it's so unique. It's rare. It's odd. This new life is not just a life of freedom. Even though in Jesus, we are free from the bondage of sin. We are free from the bondage of guilt. We are free from shame. We are free from bitterness. We're even freed from fear. Hello? Come on. Did you, did you notice that the followers of Jesus through the, through the fear-demic were just still saying, I just want to praise the Lord. I just want to get together with my brothers and sisters. And everybody else was hiding in a corner. I mean, every once in a while we, we, we get caught up in hiding in a corner. But followers of Jesus just can't let fear, we don't let fear paralyze us, disable us, because we're free from it. Hello? Come on. Amen. Amen. It's not just a, this new life is not just a longer life either. I mean, think about it. This new life that he's offering for all of us in Christ, it's not just a longer life, even though. Life with Jesus is guaranteed to last for eternity. Wow, what kind of deal is that? It's the best deal offered to mankind. Amen? The good news is the best deal offered throughout all of eternity and throughout the entire universe. So how does this new life begin in me or in you? How does it start? And how does it continue? I believe it starts with in which manner we are born. Hello? Going back to not being able to choose how we are born. But we need to identify and recognize how we are born. How are you born? I'm just, it's, it's a little bit of a trick question, but it's in the Bible. Dead. Thank you. We're born dead in our sins. And until we come to that realization, until we really recognize that, that we're born dead, you're thinking, how does one, you know, start life dead? That just seems like it's backwards or something's off or something's wrong. But according to God, we're born dead. We're born unto Adam. That's what he says. All of us are born unto Adam, under the curse, unto death. And Born in sin is born in death. And what does the Bible tell us about those born in sin? That the wages of sin is death. See, but here's the glorious gospel. See, this is great. This is great. This is, and this is so awesome. Because remember, we talked about this Jesus. Who he chose to be born. How did he choose to be born? Because he was born unto a virgin. Hello? Guys, remember that part? It's called Christmas? Yeah? Remember that part of the Bible? Yeah. We just had it a few months back. In fact, in about another month or two, it seems like we'll be saying Merry Christmas again. I swear it's going to come on us that fast. Like, it'll be spring, summer, Christmas before we even blink. That's okay. I like Christmas. I like Easter. I like it all. Amen. See, Jesus 
was born of God. He didn't have an Adamic father, a human father, correct? So he wasn't born unto sin. He was born unto God and yet unto a virgin. That's so cool because he was not born into the curse. But yet Jesus, Jesus, Jesus was born into this world and he became one of us. Do you realize that the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted? Hello? You guys with me still? Jesus was tempted just like you and I are tempted to sin. And you th may think, well, gosh, if he, if he was God, then he couldn't have sinned. There would be no way for him to sin because he was God and God can't sin. But he was tempted to sin. And see, remember, Jesus chose to come here and he could have, like I said, I, I don't think we could envision the conversation but that's why we worship him and praise him and I just thank him and I love him so much because he chose he said yes to the father's will he said yes to the father's will and he said yes to the father's will throughout his entire life all the way to him going on the cross and I and it and I know we 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 can't even envision it we can't picture it but what if he said no I, I don't think I like that plan. I don't think I like that plan of salvation. Let them figure it out on their own. Oh, yeah. I just got a, just an overwhelming feeling of just despair and just, wow, this is not going to be good for any of us. So thank you, Jesus, that he said yes. And even in this temptation, he chose not to sin. He remained sinless. He remained sinless throughout his entire life. So, so we go back then to this thing called justice. It's what it's called because the wages of sin is death. And yet Jesus comes in, he comes along and has no sin. Has no sin whatsoever. And he died. How did he die? If the wages of sin is death and he had no sin, how did he die? Why did he die? The answer is the same. There's one answer for that. Because he took our sin upon himself. He took my sin upon himself. He gathered it up. He scooped it up. I don't know how he did it, but he supernaturally took all of my sin, past, present, and future. I didn't even exist, of course, 2,000 years ago. None of you did. But even just the people there, even the, even the soldiers that were nailing him, his hands to the cross, he said, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they do. He was even taking their sin, the ones that were actually nailing him to the cross, and forgiving them. I mean, just think about that. Just stop and think about that, and, and somebody hurts your feelings. Grow up and be like Jesus and say, Father, forgive them. Even if they know what they do, Father, forgive them. He took our sin and therefore was able to die. I mean, I, I just, I think I was just caught up in this moment of, I don't know if it was clarity or just awesome uh, cosmic supernatural uh, 
I don't know what, what it was called, but it was something that in my spirit was caught up in a realm that I was looking and seeing, you know, if Jesus was perfect and he was sinless and he was of God, there really shouldn't have been an, an even an open door for him to even die. But because, so only because, and only because he actually took on our sin, the actual ability for him to die then came into place. So this isn't just a, a nice gesture on his part. This was an act of supernatural movement to redeem all of mankind. And it worked. It really worked. Hello? Jesus' death on the cross really worked. My sins are forgiven. In Christ, my sins are forgiven. He took our sin upon himself, nailed him to the cross. He paid the wages for my sin with his life. With his life. Because the wages of sin is death. So the only payment for your sin and my sin is death. And Jesus paid it. He paid it all. But here's the glorious, and the, the news gets better and better, brothers and sisters. Come on. It gets better and better. Death and the grave could not hold him. Could not keep him. Could not wrap him up. Couldn't lock him in there. Couldn't put him in a, in a, in a headlock or... I don't know, what's a wrestling move that would work? Huh? Full Nelson? You're doing nothing if you got, somebody's gotten you a full Nelson. Death tried to put him in a full Nelson, and he just laughed his way out of it. <laughs> nice try. Three days in a tomb. Three days in a tomb. And the tomb was guarded, covered by a massive stone that couldn't be moved. Guarded by dozens of Roman soldiers. Who were warned, warned, say, stay alert, because somebody's going to try to do something. His followers are going to try to rob the grave. Stay awake, stay alert. In fact, that's the, probably the most predominant evidence that Jesus rose, and it's legit, is because all of those soldiers were ordered to watch that tomb with their very life, and God put him in a little nap. Just laid him to sleep. Little lullaby. Let him go to sleep. Made him go to sleep. I don't know. Put him to sleep. Put him in a full Nelson. Yeah. And Jesus walked out of the tomb. And you know what it cost those Roman soldiers? Their very lives. They were, all of them were executed. So they weren't lying. They were saying, we were guarding it. We were, we were there. And all of a sudden, we were awake, asleep and then woke up and he was gone. They didn't make that up because it cost them their life. They all died for that cause. That makes me think maybe were they the first martyrs? I don't know. Maybe not because they didn't really. But I'm sure they believed. They had to have. That's a mystery. I don't know. I guess we'll find out when we get there. If those Roman soldiers are the ones to greet us. Maybe. Why not? 
Jesus offers us this new life. And the offer that he made us still stands. It's still on the table. The offer of new life is still on the table as long as you have breath. As long as you can say yes, the offer stands. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This salvation truly is being born again. That's how the new life begins. Saved from death, saved to new life. Don't wait till it's too late. And if you've read the menu a dozen, a hundred, a thousand times, and you've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then taste and see that he is good. Jesus went all in for you. Hey, Jesus went all in for you. Go all in for him. Go all in for him. If I could get the worship team and the communion team up, I want to talk a little bit as, as we're, they prepare to lead us in worship. One last song, and we're going to actually do something that Jesus told us to do. Jesus told us, and the boys are going to pass out a, a loaf of bread, a little, little mini uh, roll, and a little cup of juice. The bread symbolizes his body, so break a piece off of it when it's time. Don't do it just yet, but when it's time, you can break. So take one piece of bread for like the table or your group, and break a piece and give it to the next person. Take a, Each of you, there's enough cups for each and every one of us. See, Jesus told us, as, as, as you're doing this, try to listen, listen in still, because this is real important to understand. He told us to eat this bread, which symbolizes his broken body. Eat this bread, which symbolizes his broken body, and drink this cup, which symbolizes the blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of my sins. And he told us, that this is a cup of a new covenant. And you see what he's saying here. He's actually proclaiming this, this offer. Hello, listen to me. Offer of salvation, of new life. Offer to partake in new life. That's good news. So it's through me that you can have new life. It's through my broken body that you can have new life. It's through my shed blood that you'll have forgiveness of sins. I want us to, to, now that we're all settled in for a second, we have our, our bread and we have our juice. When Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of me, he wasn't just telling us to do this because I want you to think about and remember this nice thing that I did for you. Even though it was the nicest thing that anybody could have ever done for anybody on the planet was to give his life so that we can have life. But he wasn't really saying it just for that reason. Do this in remembrance of me, you know, to keep us from forgetting. 
What he's doing here, this is what I believe he's doing here because he says it's a, it's a, cup of the, it's a new covenant that I am presenting, offering. He's giving us an open door. So listen, listen carefully because I want you to be very, very um, cognitive. And I want this, this message, again, was titled Choose Life. And for you to choose and taste and see that the Lord is good. He's giving us an open door, Jesus is, to declare him as Lord. To declare him as Lord. And he said, when you, when you eat this bread, take it because it's my body that was broken. And when you drink this cup, drink it because it's my blood that was poured out as an offering for forgiveness of sins. See, what he's actually doing here was this, is this great thing. I think it's a wonderful thing. And it's Christianity in a nutshell. It's the gospel. So I, I did the work. I went all in for you. Now you go all in for me. So when you take it and eat it and then you take it and drink, it's a declaration to the world that I believe in my heart that he is alive and that my sins are covered under the blood of Jesus. And I'm proclaiming with my lips that he is Lord of my life. So when, we, when you take it, it's not just remembering this nice thing. It's declaring him as Lord and alive and alive in my life. So let us take and eat. If you choose life, eat the bread. And if you choose forgiveness, drink the cup. anybody that's tasted possibly for the first time the goodness of God I'd like to invite you into the kingdom of God to his family into his presence invite you to life that is you please let us know we want to love you even more we want to help you grow I love the truth the truth that says that God pursues us never rejects us but keeps that door open until we can breathe our last to just say yes to him 
So Jesus, we say yes to you. Thank you that you chose to surrender your life that we may have life. Right now, just receive the Lord's blessing in that life. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Oh, may the Holy Spirit just fill you and flood you with His presence. That you hear the voice of God. You sense and you feel and you recognize and realize the peace of God. And now that that dwells within your very soul and in your mind and in your heart. And know that God looks at you and smiles because he sees his son in you. He sees the righteousness of Christ covering you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't stay dead. Thank you, Jesus. You are gloriously alive. Gloriously alive. We praise you and we thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Go in peace and may the Lord bless you. Amen. Amen.